today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. He has invested in us in His purchase of us because He's redeemed us. We are His now. And because of that, what comes packaged with that is that we belong to Him. He is responsible for us. He will take care of us. Do not be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've already purchased you. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Today, Pastor J.D. shows us what it means when the Bible says that God has redeemed us. Jesus has paid our sin debt and has chosen to invest in us. He promises to take care of our needs and he allows us to live free from fear because he is for us. We don't need to worry because our creator has redeemed us. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're going through the Bible, book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and we're currently in this amazing book of Isaiah. Lord willing, we are going to complete two chapters, chapter 43 and 44, really looking forward to what the Lord has for us. I know I say that every week, but that's because every week we look forward to what the Lord has for us in His Word. So before we get started, why don't we pray and we'll ask God to bless our time together in His Word. If you would, please join with me. Father in heaven, thank you so, so much for your word, for this time that we have to come together as a church body and just put aside all the stress of our busy and full lives, and especially with everything that's going on right now. Lord, we pray your blessing on our time because we want to approach you. This is our posture before you. We want to approach you and posture ourselves before you as a people who are desperate and hungry and thirsty, and as we're going to see here in our study in Isaiah, knowing that you alone are the one who can satiate that thirst and that hunger that we have, that need in our souls. Lord, we need you right now. We need you, Lord. We need you. So Lord, would you, as only you can, minister to us in and through your word, speak into our lives. Lord, I know many are just desperate for you to hear you speak in that still, small, refining voice of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, please, would you do that for us? Would you speak? Would you minister to us? Calm us and settle us and comfort us and minister to us. Lord, thank you. We love you so much. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so in the two chapters before us, God, through the prophet Isaiah, is reminding and reassuring His people that He will always be with them. He will never leave them, never forsake them. And in so doing, He actually commands them. I want to talk more about this in a moment as we get into this, but it's actually a command. He commands them to fear not, because He is the one who created them, formed them, called them, and redeemed them. And we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about what it means to be redeemed. And like with them then, so too is this true for us now, such that this is God's Word to us, fitly spoken for such a time as this, in these perilous last days that we're living in. And we're going to see this right out of the shoot here in verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and I love this, you are mine. You are mine. You belong to me, because I redeemed you. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that entails? In that day and at this time, if you owed a debt that you could not pay, oftentimes someone, a relative usually, would step forward and pay your debt for you instead of you and free you from slavery. Because in that day when you had a debt you could not pay, there was no such thing as chapter 11 or chapter 13 or filing for bankruptcy or reorganization. Now, you owe a debt you cannot pay. You were now in slavery to pay off that debt. And then in that day they would have someone, again usually a relative, that would come forward and say, listen, I will redeem them. I will pay their debt in full for them, and I will free them from this slavery, this debt slavery that they are slaving away to pay off. I will pay it. That's what the Lord is saying. I paid your debt, like that song we sing. He paid a debt he did not owe, because we owed a debt we could not pay. It was the sin debt. And He paid for us in full, and He purchased us, and we are not our own, because we have been bought with a price. We are His. You are mine. I purchased you. 
I paid for you. I redeemed you. Now why is that important? Because, think of it like this, He has invested in us in His purchase of us because He's redeemed us. We are His now. And because of that, what comes packaged with that is that we belong to Him. He is responsible for us. He will take care of us. Do not be afraid. I've redeemed you. I have already purchased you. You belong to me now. You don't have to worry or be afraid. I've called you by your name. You are mine. I formed you. I created you. We're going to see this again. Now again, right here out of the shoot in verse 1, I think you would agree that this is the reassurance that many of us need today. Would you agree? I, I know for me, I need to be reminded that I belong to Him, that He redeemed me, that I'm not to be afraid, fear not. You have nothing to fear. You are mine. Ain't nobody going to mess with you. You belong to me. I mean, it's kind of like, you'll forgive the humor in this, but this is how I see it. It's kind of like, do you know who my daddy is? Do you know who I belong to? Do you know who redeemed me, who purchased me, who I belong to? I belong to God. He redeemed me. And oh, by the way, the one who redeemed me is also the one who created me. Bonus, if you can say it like that. Sorry, that's kind of a crass way to say it. But this is the declaration. Thus says the Lord to them then. And this is what the Lord is saying to us now. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Okay, I have to confess that I wish very much that the word if was used instead of the word when. Oh, how I wish it said, if you by chance should happen to pass through the waters, I will be with you. If by chance you're in the midst of the fire, I will be. No, it's when, when. If you want, you can do what I did, look it up in the original to see if that's what it really means. And what what you'll find is the word when means Well, when. It means when, not if. When this happens, when you go through those times in your life where (laughs) the waters are just overwhelming you, and you're, as we say, barely keeping your head above water, the Lord's with you. 
when in those times you're going through those fiery trials, you will not be burned. In fact, you won't even be sinned. No flame is going to scorch you. Think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's an interesting detail included for us in the narrative. There was not even the smell of smoke on them. I mean, are you kidding me? I barbecue and I smell like a barbecue. I got to wash my clothes and wash my hair. Well, what's left of it, there's not much that stays in the hair, but not even the smell of smoke was on them. And keep in mind, the guys that threw them into that fiery furnace, they got burned alive, just getting close in proximity to it. I wonder, because we're going to see the prophecy here concerning the Babylonian exile. I wonder if Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, didn't have that account recorded for us in Daniel in mind. There are those times when we're in the furnace of affliction. We go through the fire, but we don't get burned. We don't even get scorched. Why? Because He is with us, just like the Lord was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fiery furnace. So too is the Lord with us through it, when we go through it. Oh, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you don't want to go through it. You pray, in fact, that the Lord would get you out of it. And the Lord's response is, no, I'm not going to get you out of that. I'm going to get you through that. And truth be made known, you don't want me to get you out of that. Because of all that I'm going to do in your life by taking you through that. I think if you think about it, those times in your life that were so painful and so difficult, while you would never want to go through them again, you would never trade for anything in the world what the Lord did in your life when you went through that. I know for me, during those very painful trials, the closeness alone, the intimacy with the Lord, I would never trade that for anything. He's close to the brokenhearted. Those that are broken and contrite, those are those times when you are the closest to the Lord. In fact, I look back on those times with fond memories and almost a pining of sorts, reflecting on and remembering how close I was to the Lord during that trial. And I have fond memories of those times. Oh, it was painful for sure, but the closeness I had to the Lord, because He was right there. In fact, not only was he right there, he was closer to me than he ever was before because I was in and going through that trial. Verse 3. I'm going to emphasize this throughout our study because it's germane to our understanding of what the prophet Isaiah is recording and writing here. The emphasis is on I. For I am the Lord your God. They're not your God. That's not your God. You might think that's your God, but that's not your God. That's no God at all. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One 
of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. And verse 4 is interesting. Here's why. Since you were precious in my sight. Think about that for just a moment. Do you realize that you are precious in the sight of the Lord? I think about as a parent, a fallen father, an earthly fallen father, how precious my children are to me, how much I love them. In fact, I was just thinking about this today. No, it was actually yesterday I was talking with somebody about this. You, you don't know that you could love someone that much. I mean, you just, and, and think about that, and then think about how much more your heavenly Father loves you. I mean, if you love your children that much, and you're fallen, they're that precious to you, and you're fallen, how much more in the sight of the Lord? You have been honored and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you, and people for your life. And here it is again, verse 5, fear not. Why? Because I am with you. You have nothing to fear. I will bring your descendants from the east, and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone, verse 7, who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. Here again, we have this, and I want to emphasize, command. This is a command. God is commanding us, fear not, do not be afraid. This is a command to be obeyed. Do not fear. And again, we're told the reason why is because He is with us. We are never alone. If we're in Christ, we are never alone. He will never leave us, never forsake us. Oh, that's not to say that there aren't those times when it just seems like He's distant. He's not. How about those times when you pray and it seems like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? They're not. How about those times when it just seems like God is just not hearing and moving and answering and revealing Himself to you as He once did. Doesn't mean He's not there. Sometimes God will remain silent, but it is in that silence that He speaks the loudest in those times. Verse 8, bring out, this is, again you'll forgive me for seeing the humor in this, but Bring out the blind people who have eyes. <laughs> and that don't, just wait, don't start without me on this. 
and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations, verse 9, be gathered together, and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, it is the truth. Okay, here's where the humor comes in. So God is challenging the nations to come together and prove Him wrong. Bring in your witnesses to testify. Bring in the blind who have eyes and the deaf who have ears, and let them say what they heard. Oh wait, they, they're deaf. They can't hear. Oh, okay. Let them witness and testify what they saw, what they were an eyewitness. Oh, wait, they are blind. Again, you'll forgive me for the, the humor, but this is God challenging them, these nations who worship these gods who were blind, these gods who are deaf. We're going to see this again. Let them, He's challenging them. Let them, let them bear witness. Go ahead. Go ahead. I dare you. Prove me wrong. Go ahead and and you tell me and you testify under oath. And let's hear what you have to say. You cannot. You cannot. Verse 10, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me I, even I, verse 11, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. This is reminiscent of what we read throughout the Old Testament, particularly in the Exodus, when God would command Moses to have Aaron speak to the people and say to them, I am the Lord that delivered you out of Egypt, out of slavery. I am the Lord your God. (laughs) The emphasis again being on, I am the Lord your God. Why would God have to emphasize that He is the Lord? Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one God, the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Because apparently after he got the Israelites out of Egypt, he had to get the Egypt out of the Israelites. Because what had happened was, when they were in Egypt, they learned about all of these other gods that Egypt had. And oh, by the way, Egypt had no shortage of gods. They had plenty gods. They had over 3,000 gods. In fact, the 10 plagues were against every single one of those gods that the Egyptians worshipped. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you think that the gospel is only in our first four books of the New Testament, you'll quickly learn through this book of Isaiah that the gospel's mentioned throughout. It must have been interesting for Isaiah to write the things he did in the course of his life. He was a prophet used by God who lived while several kings of Judah reigned. From their outright wicked behavior to a king like Hezekiah, Isaiah experienced the people living in rebellion and then turning toward God, realizing their need for him. God used Isaiah in a mighty way to influence these kings and to speak to them about what was yet to come. God can use you in the place you're at today as well. It may not seem as influential or powerful of a position, but God has you right where he wants you, to use you in the place you are. Are you involved in a local church? If not, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for our next edition as we learn more valuable things from this interesting book of Isaiah, right here on In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.